Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Giant Chinchilla of Oz, written by Andrew J. Heller. The Giant Chinchilla of Oz is an exciting, funny, thought-provoking, and clever mixture of L. Frank Baum, Norton Juster, The Phantom Tollbooth, and Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Eleven-year-old Jason Brandt meets Harvey the Squid, a retired cab driver, and Button Bright, who can't remember his real name, and acquires a pet expanding giant chinchilla for use in emergencies. Together this foursome must overcome the two weevils, less and greater of course, the spin doctor, the weird inhabitants of stationary city, and other dangers to bring a warning to the Emerald City before it's too late. Filled with jokes and sly commentary on everything from our internet-obsessed society to the world of fashion design, the giant chinchilla has something for readers of all ages. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Giant Chinchilla of Oz. Chapter 1. Mirror, Mirror As often happens, the trouble began with boredom. Jason Brandt wandered around his big house, as restless as only a bored 11-year-old could be. It was raining, so he could not go out to explore the woods that came up to his backyard. Jason and his mother had just moved to northern New Jersey two days earlier, so Jason didn't know any of the neighbors and had no other kids to play with. His mother was out, so he was all alone in the house. As the final straw... The cable had not yet been hooked up, so he couldn't even watch television. Jason was so disgusted that he almost decided to go to bed early with a book, even though the sun would not set for hours. Then he remembered that he had wanted to explore the attic. The attic was well worth a look. Although Jason did not know it, the previous owner of the house was a magician who had been destroyed in an ill-advised quest for the fabled magic jelly donut. After the magician failed to return, the empty house had been sold, and the company Jason's mother worked for had bought it for her when the company's headquarters moved from San Francisco to Newark. No one had ever cleaned out the attic, which was filled with interesting boxes, chests, and trunks left behind by the unfortunate former owner. The only way to get into the attic was by pulling a rope on the ceiling of the third floor which let down a folding ladder. After Jason poked his head through the hatch, it took him a few moments to see the string controlling the bare bulb hanging from the rafters, which provided the only light in the attic. Jason hunted around, pulling sheets off the boxes and furniture and making clouds of dust billow up into the light. On his fourth try, he found something really interesting, a wooden chest with a realistic-looking pop-eyed, fanged demon carved on the lid. Attached to the latch of the chest was a metal placard which read, Property of Zolok the Great. Do not disturb. There was also a large and ancient-looking padlock on the latch, inscribed with the words, Do not open. This means you, in capital letters. They probably don't mean me, Jason muttered under his breath. 
He rooted through a box of old tools he found in the corner until he found a crowbar, which he used to pry the latch. After a brief struggle, he was victorious, prying the latch loose from the trunk to leave the big lock dangling down uselessly. It was fortunate for Jason that the powerful spells protecting the chests from intruders had worn off. The wizard being destroyed was in no position to renew. Or Jason would have discovered that the warnings were meant for him, and that the demon was more than an interesting decoration. Otherwise, I'm afraid this story might have ended right there. Inside the chest were all sorts of odd bottles, knives with elaborate handles, mirrors of many shapes and sizes, scrolls in unknown languages written in strange scripts, and other things he could not identify. It was hot in the attic and the light was bad, and after pawing through the contents of the chest, picking out one mysterious object after another, and being unable to figure out what any of them might be good for, Jason decided to just grab a few things and retreat downstairs to his room to study them in comfort. He felt something delightfully soft and furry underneath a locked, six-sided box. When his hand emerged from the chest, he saw he was holding a toy animal. He stuffed it in his pocket. When he reached down again, his hand brushed the end of a rod sticking up from the bottom of the chest. The rod began to glow, and when Jason snaked it out from under the pile, he saw that it was glowing red over most of its length with a little green at the far end. There were words floating in the air circling around the rod, like a hologram. Jason did not take the time to read them. He tucked the glowing rod under his arm, shut the chest, and climbed back down the ladder to leave the stifling hot attic for his air-conditioned room. He could always come back to look at the rest of the stuff later, he thought. He took the toy animal out of his pocket and examined it. It was soft. The gray fur was just about the softest, fluffiest thing he had ever touched. It looked something like a midget rabbit and something like a squirrel that had eaten too many acorns. I wonder what it's supposed to be, he muttered. He saw a white strip hanging from the toy's belly. Oh, there's a tag. This proved on closer inspection to be a label with the first few words printed in tiny block letters. Magic Expanding Chinchilla. There was more in even smaller letters that he didn't try to read. He stroked the soft toy a few times. A chinchilla, he thought. Hmm? He wondered if he would be able to talk his mother into letting him get a real one as a pet. He went to his computer to find out something about chinchillas. He soon learned that chinchillas were members of the rodent family, were native to the Andes Mountains of South America, were endangered in the wild, and that they were available in pet stores. He stroked the soft thing again, then reluctantly stuffed it back into his pocket. He picked up the rod, which had changed to a dull gray as soon as he put it down. When he picked it up, it began to glow again. Now he squinted, trying to make out the faintly glowing red letters, which seemed to spin slowly around the shaft, changing as they did so. Cumbly's Rod of Apportation, he said aloud, slowly. 
This device will transport user to any location of his desire. There was no more. Okay, he said to the rod, but how do you work? As he did not expect an answer, Jason was startled when he got one anyway. The glowing letters now read, To commence transit, place forefinger on center line. A bright line suddenly appeared, circling the rod at the exact center. And rotate while keeping destination in mind. Jason thought it might be fun to play with this toy for a little while and pretend it would really take him someplace interesting. He experimentally tried to balance the rod on the tip of his forefinger and found that it stayed on as if it had been attached. He gave the green end a push and discovered that the rod of apportation remained perfectly balanced on his finger as it whirled around. What was more, it continued to spin at the same speed without any help from him after the first push. It was interesting to see the red and green rod flashing around, but after a minute or so, he started to get bored again. Was that all there was to it? he wondered. As if it had read his mind, the rod produced a new message. Keep destination in mind. Well, it was not as if this thing was really going to take him anywhere, Jason told himself. Keep destination in mind? He looked around his room, and his gaze landed on his well-read collection of Oz books. More words appeared. Warning! Low charge! Please recharge device before attempting transit! Floated in the air around the rod. Whatever that meant, Jason thought. He smiled, said, Take me to the Emerald City of Oz! then spun the rod as hard as he could. The rod began to whirl on his finger faster and faster and started to become brighter and brighter. Now, alarmed, Jason tried to drop the device, but he could not. It stayed on the end of his finger as if glued there, now glowing with a blinding white light. The rod grew so bright that Jason had to turn his head away and cover his eyes with his free arm. There was a soundless explosion, and he felt himself being torn from his room by an irresistible force. The world shattered into a million bright pieces. When he uncovered his eyes, he was no longer in his room. He did not know where he was. To understand what happened next, you have to know something about the theory and practice of magical apportation, which is just a fancy word for travel. Connecting our universe with the magic universe, where Oz and its neighbors are located, is a network made of invisible lines of power. You could think of it as a kind of road system, with large power bands as the highways, smaller ones the local streets, and medium ones in between. The little lines feed into the bigger ones, and those into the main bands. When a sorcerer or other magic worker transports himself by a spell or device, he uses the power of this network. So, when Jason activated the spell in the Rod of Apportation, it sent him into the network that led to the Emerald City. Unfortunately for him, the magic charge in the Rod was low, so that it was unable to take him all the way to his requested destination, the Emerald City. Instead, 
It dropped Jason at a break in the line, which was made by... Well, you will see what, or rather who, interrupted his journey. When Jason opened his eyes, the first thing he saw was himself. Also, the second thing, the third thing, and the thousandth thing. He was standing in a room of mirrors. The walls were mirrors, the floor was a mirror, the ceiling was a mirror. He was surrounded by endless Jasons, all looking terribly confused and lost. What just happened? he asked aloud, to no one in particular. Naturally, he was frightened when his room was whisked away, and he found himself in this strange mirrored funhouse. He called out in a panicky voice, Hello? Is anybody here? Where am I? The replies seemed to come from every direction. Ho! What is this? Who dares to invade the castle of the Mirror Master? The words seemed to come from his reflections all speaking at once, so that it sounded as if a thousand voices were bellowing at him. The noise was so loud that Jason had to cover his ears. Not so loud, please, Jason begged. Oh, a little boy, the reflection said a little more softly this time. As if talking to themselves, the voices went on. So, you were using a rod of apportation, I see. Now, where were you going, I wonder? Oz, maybe? The reflections now stared directly at Jason, pointed their many fingers accusingly at him and demanded, you were trying to go to Oz, weren't you, boy? I was just pretending. Yes, I asked to go to the Emerald City, Jason replied. How did you guess? How, indeed. The answer is that the Mirror Master had moved his castle to a main junction on one of the main apportation lines that led to the Emerald City for his own purposes, and had accidentally captured Jason when the undercharged rod had stranded him in the castle. But he didn't explain any of this to Jason. Instead, the mirror master went on, as if talking to himself. A mortal boy, hmm? Perhaps a reflection could work? But no... Glinda and that wizard would spot a copy too easily. It must be the real thing, I think. He addressed Jason again. Instead of just visiting Oz, how would you like to help me conquer it? I don't understand what you mean, said Jason. Listen, boy, the reflections urged. I have a plan to invade Oz, capture Ozma, Princess Dorothy, the wizard, and the rest of them, and take it over. I'm going to trap them in this prism of confinement. Here he paused to hold up a glittering object and replace them with my magic reflections, mirror images created by me. Then I'll be able to rule the country as I please. 
My plan is almost ready. All I need now is a way to get the prism close enough to them, so that when I activate the spell, they will all be caught at once. And no one will be the wiser. But I need you to help me. Although he had just met the Mirror Master, Jason was already starting to have doubts about the man's sanity. He also suspected that the Master might be dangerous, so he decided to play along with the magician, for a little while at least. What could I do to help you? Jason asked. Something very simple, but very important. The reflections positively hissed. You could carry the prism to Oz, and when you come before Ozma and her court, just activate it, and the prism will capture them all. Then Oz will be mine. Both of ours, I mean, he added hastily. I will become the ruler, and you can be my prime minister, second only to me, and help me to run the most famous fairyland in the world. Why me, though? asked Jason, disliking the mirror master more and more. Why, you are an innocent mortal boy from the outside world, you see, the evil magician explained. They might detect my magic if I sent a mere copy in your place, but they would never suspect you of a thing. You could get up close to them and trap them before they knew what happened. The mirror master laughed. And then Ozma and company would be inside the prism, and they could spend the rest of their days watching me rule Oz. So, what do you say, boy? The master asked Jason. Just take the prism. Suddenly, the crystal that he had seen in the reflections appeared in Jason's hand. It had a complicated shape, with multicolored lights glittering from its many-mirrored surface. I will instruct you in its use, and then send you on to Oz to conquer. Uh, it, it sounds like a good idea, Jason said, stalling for time. I, I, I just wonder if... He suddenly thought of the rod of apertation, which was still in his hand. He dropped the magician's prism, put the rod on his fingertips, spun it, and cried out, Get me out of here! Now! He could hear the mirror master calling out, Wait! You forgot the prism! As the mirrored room whirled around and around and finally disappeared in a blaze of light. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Giant Chinchilla of Oz. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, 
It can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.